What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program one of the best 57 kilo lifters in the world right now, Brittany Saplicki, and she gave me a very, very fun conversation. Less an interview, more of a conversation, which is what I love on Two White Lights. When I get to shoot the shit with another power lifter, and I know you guys like that as well, and she delivered upon that. Brittany is a serious, serious contender to be the 57kg national champion once Raw Nationals rolls around. She's probably my odds-on favorite to win, so we talk a lot about that, talk about our competition. We also talk about her breakout performances leading into Raw Nationals. Uh, the Arnold, in my opinion, is her breakout performance where she won the Pro-American. She describes her performance there. Also, the two meets she had after that where she approved upon her total, why she took those meets, and uh, a good discussion about that. She gave me her start in powerlifting because she's only been competing in 2018, since 2018 and immediately catapulted herself into a serious contender. And that's not really common. So um, interesting, interesting backstory of how she got her start in powerlifting. But also, she gave me an extremely accurate lifter rating. She obviously did her research. Always appreciate on Two White Lights. Probably the most accurate lifter rating I've gotten. I had really no disagreements with her there. And also, we went to a fun word association where it ended up her promising that she may throw herself through a flaming table. Uh, you're going to have to find out why by listening to the episode, but whenever a flaming table is involved, you got to listen to it. Uh, possibly by February or possibly by Raw Nationals. Not the flaming table part. Uh, that might be a regular table of Raw Nationals. But yeah, fantastic interview with Brittany. Hopefully I can have her, um, have her on again sometime. Very, very fun conversation I had with her. But before we get into that, I got to talk to you guys about Left Love Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, Left Love Bros has the best powerlifting merchandise out on the market right now. I only speak facts, I'm not exaggerating, and it is true. They have the best-looking t-shirt designs, they have the best-looking designs. You're going to look good in the gym, outside of the gym, and on the platform, and that is a triple threat that no one, no one can resist. Uh, I know I can't, and if you don't believe me, follow Leflar Bros on Instagram and check out all the merchandise they are dropping. They are consistent with their design drops, and they're consistent with delivering the best powerlifting merchandise out on the market right now. And they help out the sport of powerlifting. They sponsor a number of meets. They get people into Leflar Bros merchandise. You gotta love it. You gotta love when a clothing brand supports the sport of powerlifting. And you're gonna save yourself some money by using that promo code 2WL15 at checkout. You're gonna find something you love on LeflarBros.com. I guarantee it. And you're gonna save some money by using the best damn powerlifting discount code out there 2WL15 and if it can get any better which it will they have two white lights merchandise on leftlarbros.com so if you want to support two white lights and you should you're listening to the podcast if you want to support two white lights you can get our original logo tee the fight night tee the dad hat the new top rope tee which i love and a banner at leftlarbros.com and you can use that same promo code 2WL15 2WL15 is going to be good for your Left Lord Bros merchandise and your 2Y Lights merchandise as well. So don't forget that discount code. Also, go to Rivalist.net and get yourself some informed choice supplements. The IPF has not completely got rid of local testing at the USAPL level. So you make sure you have the right supplements. Informed choice, 
label ensures that you don't have any banned substances in your pre-workout, your proteins, your branched chain amino acids, and you don't want to get popped. You don't want to get popped, and the informed choice is that little safety blanket to know that, hey, what I'm taking is clean, and I won't pop a drug test. Use promo code ANGELO15 to save 15% off of your rivalless supplements. Also, check out lift.net and get yourself into stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym. I wear stoic gear in the platform. And the reason why is because it's the best. I love the knee sleeves. I love the singlet. And I love the wrist wraps. And that's all I wear. And you guys are going to love it too. And it's affordable. You know, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg for this stuff. It's fantastic. It fits well. It's comfortable. Use promo code ANGELO10 to get yourself some stoic gear that's IPF approved as well. So at Raw Nationals, you're able to use stoic gear. And that's always a plus. Also... Make sure you are following Notorious Lift on Instagram and sign up for that newsletter. You guys know that you can't just go on NotoriousLift.com and get whatever deadlift slipper you want. They have the best deadlift slippers for two reasons. One, they're fantastic with the grip. They're fantastic with not slipping. Hence, no slip grip drip slippers. Also, that drip is because of how good they look. They have so many different colorways, so many different designs that you are going to find something that you love. It's either going to match your gym attire, your platform attire, and powerlifters love to match, especially you USAPL lifters. We love to look good. And Notorious Lift is going to help you do that. Remember, sign up for the newsletter because they have those drops, and you don't want to miss out on those drops because those things sell out so fast, especially with the sizes too. So sign up for the newsletter and do not miss out on one of their drops those are extremely important because you don't want to miss out on some color that fits your attire perfectly. And looking good is like half the battle. Actually, it's most of the battle. It's like 90% of it. So remember, get your Notorious Lift No Slip Drip Slippers. Also, make sure you are following us on Spotify. Make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating or review. Those are important. When you subscribe, Two White Lights does better. That's the thing. We want to do better. You know, people complain about the sound quality, like it not be. I need equipment. So those subscriptions will help me get that equipment because there's some money at the end of that stuff. So remember to subscribe on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five-star rating, review. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as promised, I got with me one of the best 57 kg lifters in the USAPL right now, Brittany Saplicki. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, we are currently six weeks out from Raw Nationals, and we had you on the March Madness brackets. Uh, interesting talking to you about that because you are in contention to win 50, the 57 kilo national title. And has it sunk in that you're like in that position yet? Because I feel like uh, the some of the people who are contending for a spot aren't aren't ready for it yet. You know, it's kind of weird because I haven't been competing for very long. So I sometimes I feel like I have imposter syndrome. Like, what am I even doing here? 
But, you know, and I struggled a lot with that in 2018 and then a bit in 2019. I'm feeling a bit better about it this year. I'm just staying in my own lane. I'm really not paying attention to what anyone else is doing. Uh, we're just trying to put together a total that I know I can do. I've really struggled putting it together on the platform. So I'm just looking to put together a good total on the platform on that day. And what happens happens after that. Yeah. Um, I mean, in 2019, you were second at Raw Nationals. And since then, you've you've improved upon that. You've improved upon the 500 Wilkes that you were aiming for. And then that got you to the uh, Arnold SPD Pro American, which you won. Yes, that was a lot of fun. That was the weirdest Arnold ever, though. It was my first one. And there same. was no one there. Same, same. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, that's where, I mean, yeah, because that's where, um, so uh, that's where I saw you compete. I, I didn't get to see the full thing of you compete. Um, I, we had to kind of get out of there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. for one reason that we were scared, like, what was, what's happening with the world right now? And two, I had work, uh, Monday, so I had to get out of, uh, Columbus. So I wasn't able to see you compete, but it was a competition. A lot of people were looking forward to watching, uh, the SPD pro American in the Arnold weekend is the second biggest meet in the USAPL next to the Grand Prix. Right. And you were able to win that. So, and it was, a, it was a huge performance where I think it kind of catapulted pulled you onto the scene as one of the best 57 kilo lifters in the world. So talk me through that performance. Uh, what was the goal going in? And um, I mean, I th- if you say you didn't execute it perfectly, you're lying because you went nine for nine. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I went eight for nine. I probably missed my third bench possibly. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. I was, platform okay. were so slippery. I remember it distinctly. I have a pretty big arch and that platform was so slippery. It was affecting everyone that day. Yes, but, it was. It was. Yeah, that was a brutal, brutal carpet. Or I think they did the deadlift competition beforehand, actually. So it was all baby powdered. I think that's what it was. Possibly. It was and you know, you you had the unfortunate because I had I was at the A seven Pro Raw, yeah, the day before, and yours was the day after. So there was there was two competitions prior to yours, right? And even yeah, during so. the Grand Prix, that was a. Uh, that was when Michael C. bombed out, and he was like, the, pa- the platform is very slippery on bench. Because he hit all the squats, then he bombed That's on bench. That's never happened he to me footing. before, the feet slipping on bench. It was a little, but it was, you know, a good thing to encounter and work around, I mm-hmm. guess. You not could be like me and it. just have a, such a terrible bench where you're not doing anything right, that it doesn't even affect you. <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like that 90% of the time when I'm benching. <laughs> At least 90%. I'm like cursing the bench out loud. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, when we went into that meet, we were coming off of the 2019 Nationals, which I didn't have the meet I had planned to. And again, we were just looking to put together a decent day, um, to go have some fun. I really had no goals other than going eight for nine or go nine for nine and just hit some PRs and have some fun. And then the world started ending, you know, like a week out. Mm-hmm. So we just waited for it to be canceled for a week, and then it wasn't. And that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, that was but, good. Yeah, it was just a fun day. I didn't mind the no people. I mean, some people said the, the hype was less or it affected their performance. I don't know. I bring my own hype, so I don't pay attention to the crowd hype. Yeah, I, I guess in my – because I competed within the same weekend, and I was I, – I think there was two types of lifters at that meet. People who are like, oh, thank God, there's no people there. Like, because yeah. the Arnold could be. Yeah. 
hectic. Like, not even... Because they're obviously not all there to watch a powerlifting meet. But just seeing all the people and, like, kind of, like, you have to... If you go out of the area that you're in, you can get lost in the, the fray. Because there's just so many people. It's a festival. Right. So people were psyched about that. I might have been one of those people because, like, I... I don't like massive, massive crowds. But then there was the other lifter. It's like the Arnold's is one of the best USAPL meets because of the amount of people who are there. And it's like the biggest meet. Actually, some people say it surpasses Raw Nationals. And they didn't get that. So you're in neither like those two uh, areas of thought. Yeah, looking back, though, I think we can all agree that we were lucky to even compete that day or that I, weekend. I was still... I was still, like, really psyched about it because I knew that the crowd was going to be, you know, dwindled by the, the cancellation of the, the, the expo. But I was just, when I looked into the crowd and watched when I was deadlifting and look who was there, I'm like, oh, shit, it's all the amazing powerlifters I like. Exactly. And that was cool. Like, I'm like, those are, that's the only audience is their, their, their friends our friends, and then the, you know, the people who competed throughout the weekend. And that's like, you know, if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to impress anyone, and if I get the approval of anyone, it's those fucking people in the stands, because they're yeah, the It's best. not all the people walking by that <laughs> are there for bodybuilding anyway, they don't care about powerlifting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they're just looking to, you know, get a picture with Larry Wheels or something. Like, you know, they're, they're <laughs> not looking up. supplements. You, they're looking you, for some pre-workout. Yeah. You do, you do get the off chance of having Arnold watch you compete, though. He was at the A7, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was at the A7. He was at the Battle of Regions. My friend Abby, like, she's like, yeah, Arnold watched my squat. I'm like, that's crazy. I mean, I don't even care if he cares. If he just watched something. Yeah, that would be something. That would be insane. It's like one yeah. of the most unique human beings in American history. Yeah. Or world history. Like, it just transcending all of it. Like, how do you go from... Everyone knows Arnold. Yeah. How do you go from bodybuilder Austrian, Austrian guy to mayor of California and, like, at the highest grossing actor within 10 years? Yeah, of course I want him to watch my squad. And then he just puts on this massive festival. Yeah, exactly. No, that would be cool. I don't think he was there, though. Yeah, yeah. Not the, the, the pro-American. I mean, I didn't see him at the pro-American. They just... Apparently people seeing him walk by, but... All right, so... You had the Pro-American, and then you did the uh, Virginia Winter Wrecker, um, where you did PR your total, but based on what I see, it looks like that wasn't the meet you're exactly looking for. No, man. I have had a, I have had a problem with my squat depth for like probably a year and a half now. I tore my hip labrum in mm. 2018, right before Raw Nationals. So squat depth has been a struggle, and I got it under control for the Pro-American, and for whatever reason, I was getting red-lighted in Virginia, and so that kind of knocked off my, my whole game plan there. So, mm -hmm. But it is what it is. I mean, it was good to get that out of the way, and you know, I've done a lot of work on it since. So, So, so when did you have that injury then? It was like two months before my first Raw Nationals, so that was 2018, I guess. Okay. So has that ever lingered with your training at all? Yeah, I so I competed in 2018 at Raw Nationals, and then we took a 
couple months off competition squatting after that because I just couldn't do it anymore. I pushed through training for nationals. And then after that, we needed to kind of reconvene. But I was able to get back to squatting. I switched up a lot of stuff, narrowed my stance a ton, things like that. And we were able to get back to squatting. Uh, sometimes it flares up once in a while, but mostly it's well-managed and day-to-day doesn't bother me anymore. So that's great. All right, yeah, and then after the meet, I mean, it doesn't seem like it was bothering you then because then you ended up having a huge meet, uh, totaled 460 and put 10 kilos on your uh, your SBD, your SBD performance. So the thing that stuck out to me, and I think you might have posted us on Instagram, but it was a month later from the yeah, winter record. I love that. I heard you talk about it in March Madness. Yeah. <laughs> you loved every, every ounce of that, I heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah something about competing a lot you know, i get scared like i get i get scared when people compete too much uh, yeah i actually don't compete so too much usually like two or three times a year Matt. i don't think i've ever competed more than three mm-hmm. but yeah no so i did do that and that's because we decided we wanted to build a little more momentum than where uh november had left me mm-hmm. so it just left me in a I don't know, just a bad headspace, you know, when you know you can do better and you messed up some technicalities. I wasn't beat up from the meet at all. I felt good. Uh, we didn't peak for the December meet. Okay. We, we tapered out, trained pretty light, pretty low uh, intensity for a couple weeks and then or for three weeks built back up slowly. No peak, just kind of showed up, took it as a heavy SBD day. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, in that case, then I can get behind it because I recently just did that too. Yeah, my only like, I don't know, above RPE 8 was my last deadlift. That was the only thing. Mm-hmm. Everything else was pretty light. Okay. So I'm assuming you took that meet to build momentum into Raw Nationals. Yeah, what we, at that point we thought would be the Arnold, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That actually makes sense now that I look at the dates of things because I forgot that we, we signed up for our meet, the one in March that I did. Yeah. Because we assumed that the, not even Raw Nationals, the meet, the next big meet was supposed to be in July and August. Right. That's what we talked about. I said, I'm not going to compete for seven months anyway. You know, why don't we do this now? Mm-hmm. So. That's but, how we ended up back there. But even with that, I mean, you still had a pretty good, um, yeah, there's still a pretty good break in between meets uh, from, was that, December to June. So, yeah. not not the worst, so, but it, I guess it would still be the same, right? You did that meet, build momentum to the next big one that you were going to do. Exactly, yeah, and just, you know, go into training with a little bit better mindset and have a little bit better of a plan on how I need to change some technicalities to be able to again, put it together on the platform. All right. Well, from that meet, you have 460 total, you know, 527 dots. That's where you are, by the way, 527 dots. If you kept, if you lost track, I don't even know what a dot is anymore. <laughs> They're going to, we're going to have something new next year. Probably. Because that's why I stopped keeping up when we changed in one year from one to the other. I said, we're done. We changed from like IPF score to good lift points in like three months. Well, it was less than a year for sure. Because I tried keeping up with IPF points, and then when it was gone, I was like, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. It was like right but after the if you the look Arnold. at the lifters database, it looks like a disaster. Because you have some people with Wilkes, some with IPF points. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and I remember it was after the Arnold, and I was like, are you serious? I just got the IPF score down, and now we're doing good lift points? I'm like, now i got to learn to... I will say, though, I do like that it's a lower number. A little easier for me to remember than, like, 777 or oh, was something. That, so IPF points was the 700, the 800. Yeah, like... I, I like the hundreds. Thinking, like, that's easier for me to remember for some reason. Okay, yeah, I remember thinking, what can I buy with, like, 800 IPF points or whatever it was? Yeah. Like, that seems like a lot. I should be able to get good things for this. Yeah, I mean, you could say, like, when people ask, because they're probably so entwined with Wilk still, be like, right. I have a 777 IPF score. And like, oh, my God. Exactly. This guy, it this guy, really cool. It was very close yeah, to credit score. like, 100. Like, I have, like, I don't know, 100 and some... Good lift points. That doesn't sound good. Exactly. Yeah, now now we're getting like dwarfed by dots and wilks and all that stuff. But you know, yeah. next year they'll have something completely different for us. And I'm just still hoping that I get a formula where I'm the best lifter. Yeah, I want one where like the middle weight ranges are pushed forward, you know. I'm just hoping that it like favors just one big lift and then negates <laughs> the other much. two. <laughs> And it's like, it like somehow, even though he came fourth in Raw Nationals, Angelo's the best overall lifter. Like, you I don't know, it's a formula. Blame win. the formula guy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so going in, so going into uh, this Raw Nationals, uh, how's training been going from you know from uh, your last meet till to around now? We're we're sitting six weeks out. Training's been great. We've hit some good PRs. Um, Nothing's been too challenging. I'm uninjured. I feel good. Nice. Nice. So yeah. then, um, I mean, I, I almost feel stupid asking what your goal would be, but based on where you are, I think I think the goal is to win. The goal is to win. So I think the interesting conversation with weight class to weight class, especially ones I'm not too familiar with, um, not saying I'm not familiar with the lifters, I'm not the numbers guy. That's Steve Denobi's. Like that's his thing as far as like figuring out what total you need to win. So, what total you know is do you plan on hitting that day, and what do you think you're gonna need to win the 57s? Man, I don't. I don't know what I. I don't have a plan to hit a total that day, but I do think the top two, if not the top three, are gonna be American record totals. Mm-hmm. At this point, especially with Scanlon competing, you know, she's going to push the bar, which is awesome. So, yeah, I'm really thinking if you want to be top two or three, it's probably American record total. Okay. Do you know off the top of your head what that is? Uh, 471? That would make Something sense. Something like that. That I don't would know. Make that's sense. why I have a coach, so I don't have to talk <laughs> about numbers myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, yeah. <laughs> which would make sense. I mean, like if you go from five to 10 kilo improvements from meet to meet, yeah. like that's typically what and you, I left that's a bit of my squat on the table. Cause I got red lighted again on my third attempt squat in Virginia. So if I can stop getting red lighted, yeah, I should have a decent squat PR. I would, I would say that's safe to assume. Usually, <laughs> yeah. usually the best way to hit PRs is not getting red lighted. Oh, it's so frustrating, <laughs> but Man, I've been sinking my squats lately. I don't know if you've seen any videos, but I've been sinking them, and that's all I can do. You, I mean, based on your squat, it is. it doesn't look like depth would be always too much of a problem, but I think that's most of, you know, high-level powerlifters. Most of them just like have no – most of them 
don't have a like an undeniable squat depth. There's a few, but most of them don't. Mine's like I think it can be arguable because I have a relative, I have a pretty narrow stance squat. Uh, not as narrow as like Marissa Inda, but pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. And then my legs are pretty big, so it's tough to see the whole hip crease, the dealio. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why it's a little bit arguable. I mean, I see it, and judges are in charge, so yeah, I just got to do what I can do to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just looking at it, uh, I think for knee travel. Yes, that kind of that like is one of those. Th- it's it's almost a frustrating thing because. That's how I squat is with a lot of yeah. forward knee like, travel. That's, that's the same with me. Uh, but yeah. I like it's it's a thing that like it. I think on comp day, it's a little it, it's a little easier to stay behind the weight for me, and like yeah. make sure I get that depth. But yeah, I think I've really I've cued myself in a way I'd never cue anyone, and it's sit back, you know, and it doesn't turn into any sort of sitting back. If you watch how I squat, I don't sit back at all, but it does help me eliminate some of the forward knee travel and actually sink my hips a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, looking at the videos, I think, uh, I think you're definitely in line to have a big day and the 57s are going to be super interesting because, you know, defending champion right now, unfortunately seems to be battling, um, her knee surgery, which is incredible that he's competing, but then that kind of opens the field up more where, right. you know, the defending champion is going into the meet, you know, with that recovering from that, and also just a, it's been a pretty competitive weight class. Yes, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the less talked about weight classes. Um, and people seem to move in and out of it. You had John Milliken um, move out and up to the sixty threes after she reigned the fifty sevens for a while. And then yeah. Scanlon came in, and then she moved up to the sixty threes. I think it's a tough weight. For a lot of us to maintain, it ends up being pretty light after you lift for a while, mm-hmm. which happen in the smaller weight classes. So a lot of them end up in sixty threes. So yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, based on based on the physiques you see within the fifty sevens, like it's like a lot of really jacked lifters yeah. in that in that weight class. Like once you get I into know, like. I'm- we joke that I'm like getting ready for a bodybuilding comp because. I'm lean enough that I'm like three weeks out from stepping on stage by the time I make weight. That's the case with a lot of them. I mean, Chrissy Baraki exactly. is, is one of yeah. the more jacked, you know, competitors I've seen. Like, yeah, great, like, just a lot of muscle definition there. And that's usually you see that in a certain weight class, even with the guys. You know, I do sure. love the whole, you know, powerlifters are fat and out of shape kind of thing. And I'm like, have you seen USAPL competitions? Like they all look pretty athletic and built and really muscular. It's such an old stereotype, man. Well, cause I think it was so long that powerlifting was just labeled with multiply. Yeah. And I don't think those, I don't even think those guys are fat. Like I want to call an offensive lineman fat and out of shape ever in my life. Uh, no. because they're not, they're not, I wouldn't even call them fat. I think it's still pretty disrespectful to them, but they're obviously in shape. Well, you have to be big to take hits like that, for one thing, and, yeah. you know. And then you can't be out of shape. other giant men, you have to be huge. Yeah, and I think, like, that whole thing, just based on the look, like, oh, yeah, powerlifters are fat, out of shape, then you get into the USAPL, and it looks like, you know, they're a week out from a bodybuilding contest. Yeah. Males and females. Whenever I have family I haven't, or friends I haven't seen in a while, 
and they're like watching my lifts and stuff. And then they see me in person. They're like, you're so small. I thought you'd be bigger than that. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> still not <laughs> still wearing my extra small shirts. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, I shared on two white lights, a, a good amount where my girlfriend attended raw nationals with me. And that was like the difference, um, from the USAPL and the other fed I did like, in the other fed I did, there was like three or four 181s. And it was a smaller fed. So, like, you know, I would be the more muscular person there. Right. And then at Raw Nationals, like, the first thing she said to me when I saw her after my squats, she's like, wow, you're much smaller than everyone else here. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm small for the weight class. And also, the USAPL lifter typically diets pretty well and lifts pretty seriously so they have a little bit more muscle on their body because he was like comparatively like when you see the other people go on the platform then they see you it's like you're so much more you're so different looking (laughs) i'm like yeah yeah i'm like i'm searching i'm I'm searching for the compliment in here somewhere but yeah i'm (laughs) well you got russ walking out there exactly and then like noriega's massive quads that make you know yeah true and then it was when mark Marcus Hadudu is in there, Muscle Man Marcus, and he's like, he, like he he's ridiculously jacked. Jamar Royster, and oh, yeah. I'm like 15 pounds lighter than these guys. Right, because they're and they're all put together like too. They're not like, yeah, they're they're put. They look good when they step on the platform. <laughs> like, and she's like, and then there's you. I'm like, yeah, all right. They're like, they there's you and Candido. Them. You and Candido look the same. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the 57, the 57s don't get talked about a lot. And I even said that with, uh, Christy when she came on the show, even when we had the topic of the most underrated powerlifter, I put her as my female choice because she won nationals. And I don't think people talk about a national champion in herself that much. No, no, the 57s are definitely kind of a lower key weight class as far as coverage goes. I don't know if it's because it's somewhere in the middle, you know, so the numbers are, I'm going to quote, air quote, less exciting, say, you know, than other, the larger weight classes or the heavier weight classes. I don't know, but it's not as like crazy as, you know, Heather Connor weighing 98 pounds and pulling God knows what. But yeah, but when you take, yeah, yeah, um, it looks like, and it looks like she's going to up that pull a little bit too, looking like. Four forty is definitely like a, a possibility for her. But even with her weight class, though, see, like that weight class isn't talked about a lot. Heather Connor's talked about a lot. Heather, you're right. Yeah, Heather Connor is. And like, in the same thing with you know going up a weight class, Marissa Inda's talked about a lot. Her competition isn't talked about. So I think what would have to happen is like a. And for the 57s, like a long standing champion. And maybe that's it. And the, the long standing champions have, have moved out. I think John Milliken actually was the only long standing champion. Yeah. So, I Did mean, you, you take it, out. if you take it back to 2018, 2017, 57s yeah. are pretty big. Like, we have, you know, Ken Milliken in there, and he's, I think, I think a lot of lifters who are in the sport now probably looked up to Ken Milliken at a point. I would think so. Yeah. Even yeah. still, she has such a, a great mindset, like just watching her training and such. She has a really great training mindset. 
Mm-hmm. But she's been doing it so long, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. A very influential figure in powerlifting. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that we've had on, too, Christy Paraki, one, like, has said, like, yeah, she was someone I looked up to when, you know, uh, she was getting in the competition, and to have her to win that weight class was um, a big a big accomplishment for her. And I think you're, you're in a great position, too, to kind of, like, take that mantle yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, of course. It's going to be a really fun June, that's for sure. I think... I mean, we're going to see some crazy numbers in June from a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After this long since we've had head-to-head competition, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So, let me ask you this then. In your weight class, if you were removed from the equation, who would you predict would win? I mean, as of now, Meg Scanlon's training looks legit. I don't know how she's doing it. She's incredible. All right. But, so. yeah, that's who I'd go for. All right. Nice. So, I mean, that that probably is a marker of, like, the biggest your biggest competitor that day would be Meg. I think so. I mean, she won two years ago. She took second in IPF Worlds. She's only improved since then. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm pretty excited to see that battle go down um, for 57s. Um, so... Getting out of the you know raw nationals talk and getting more into just uh, you, you as a power lifter, how did you get your start into it? Because it's a very new thing for you. It looks like twenty eighteen was your first competition, only three years in. So what you know propelled you into the sport? You know, I think about that question a lot because I get asked it, and I don't have a direct answer of how it happened. I started lifting weights after I graduated. High school, I was just looking for something better to put my focus in and when I was in college than drinking and partying, you know, that just wasn't the road I wanted to go down. So I started, uh, I joined a gym, I joined an Anytime Fitness, and uh, I used to go at midnight so that I would have the weight room to myself because I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I don't know, I just didn't want to deal with all the judgy eyes you get when you're a female in the weight room in general. I just wasn't ready for that yet. Too many females who come on the show have, like, the same story about yeah. that particularly, and it's probably not a good thing that everyone... Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> like, I mean, every I female proud. champion powerlifter that comes on Two White Lights is always like, yeah, to avoid getting hit on, I went to the gym at a different time, and I was scared of going to the weights because dudes in commercial gyms are creepy. It's like, oh, God. 100%. We- I, I, I honestly haven't gotten it in years, but... I'm not that approachable anymore. Like the the people that would engage in such behaviors are not going to approach me. So I haven't gotten into years, but I know, I mean, I have to talk to a lot of women that still do and kind of encourage them to, to fight past it and not, not move. Don't give up your squat rack. Cause they're staring at you like stare back. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, <laughs> I, I was doing that and I decided I don't know, I think I found Dana Lynn Bailey at that time. It was when she got really big. So this was like 20, I don't know, 2011, 2012, something Mm -hmm. like that. And so I was like, "Ah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put on as much muscle as possible. So I probably weighed 100 pounds when I started lifting. I got up to 140 at my largest point. And uh, at that point, I had gotten pretty gym strong, we'll call it. Like, you know, pressing big dumbbells, squatting big weight, etc., Mm-hmm. And people were like, you really need to compete, et cetera, et cetera. But when I thought about competing, I thought about bodybuilding. 
And I had no interest in stepping on stage and having people judge what I looked like. Like it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. So I kept going and I ended up, somebody told me to go over to my now coach's gym, Mustache Fitness. And they're like, go check it out. So I went and checked it out. And I remember the day I squatted, I think I was squatting like, it was like 305 for five reps or something like that. And he came up to me. He's like, you really need to compete in powerlifting. I was like, hmm. So I, I kind of thought, man, this guy's trying to sell me on something. I'm not buying. So I was like, hmm, nah, I'm good, man. And a few years passed since then. And I actually started learning what powerlifting was. I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. So I contacted Carly and I was like, let's do this thing. And then a few months later, we competed, qualified for Raw Nationals, made prime time in Raw Nationals in 2018. And then that was pretty cool. And I have type A addictive personality. So now we're here. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a really, I mean, a fast start in powerlifting. Like just to qualify for Raw Nationals your first time through. And then you're if you're if you're qualifying for prime time, you're already putting yourself into a contender's position. I mean, I was put, like, like I said, I was lifting, I was gym strong. I grew up rodeoing. So I grew up on a farm. So I was farm strong. Um, so I kind of had that background to get into it. It's more for me, it's been learning the technicalities of powerlifting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what do you mean by technicalities? Um, things like the bench press, you know, like I could press some big dumbbells, but that didn't translate to an effective bench press like bar path and setup and things like that so we've been working through that and just nitpicking all of those little details you have to nitpick right mm-hmm. if you're going to get any better yeah i think a lot of people skip those stages in powerlifting where they're not exactly acknowledging the foundations right and maybe that's where i was lucky where i came in with I mean, a high training volume, a high, like a good foundation. I remember I used to do like 10 by 10 squats with 225 just for like a fun leg day, you know? So mm-hmm. I could just take a lot of volume when I started. It just became nitpicking the details, learning how to approach singles. I've never done singles. I dreaded them the first two years I powerlifted. I hated seeing them. Mm-hmm. So just learning how to get that mindset to approach a, a heavy single. Yeah, I think, yeah I think that... Uh... That that can be really useful for a lot of listeners to, of Two White Lights because I think so many people get into the sport now at younger ages and yes. they don't have that initial phase of like just putting on muscle and being right. strong. And you obviously done that. I mean, I was the same way. Like I was just I, – I was lifting weights for a really long time but didn't compete until I was 23. It's a totally different skill, powerlifting, you yeah. know, like getting, I, like I said, approaching those singles is a skill in and of itself. Uh, the platform's a skill in and of itself. So mm-hmm. yeah, once you have the background, I think it turns into mastering those skills. Yeah. So what, w- what would be the carryover of rodeoing to powerlifting? Because I think that's a first on two white lights. I think you might be our first rodeo slash powerlifter. Okay. So, I mean, it involves working on a farm so throwing 100 pound hay bales around things like that so I was strong from the time I was in not even a teenager because I had to do farm work so nobody cares how small you are <laughs> like, the work needs to get done oh that's awesome 
That is, yeah. yeah, that is, that is a great thing. And then you do see that with other sports, like, uh, like different professional athletes who were just like, man, how like you had this foundation built when you were 15. It's like, yeah, I grew up on a farm and all I did was do farm work and play football. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So we're genetically, that's like, that's why <laughs> in those areas they're genetically modifying human beings to, Basically. to be I mean, incredible start, athletes. When you start doing, I mean, such functional heavy work at a young age it definitely develops you differently yeah but there was no point i came into the gym and like couldn't bench a barbell you know where a lot of females the first time they walk into the gym can't bench the barbell you know mm-hmm. i mean i remember being pretty strong from the start so yeah yeah i i would think that that uh that work would definitely do that for people um, yeah, and that functional strength as well, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I guess still a first in, uh, in two white lights, but also like a pretty cool blue collar story of building a foundation for powerlifting. Exactly. Yeah. You've been lifting for only three years, but I think it'll be useful if, do you have any like advice you would give a person just coming into, uh, powerlifting? Hire a coach. Hire a coach. Okay. Hundred percent. Yeah, get yourself some guidance, somebody else to look at what you're doing, somebody you trust for sure. You know, and then just having a meet day handler makes a huge difference. So, did you always have a coach when you were in powerlifting? Yeah, I lifted by myself. Obviously, before I started powerlifting, never was coached at that point. Just did my own thing. As soon as I decided I wanted to do a meet, I hired a coach, and it was really the best thing I could have done because I would have showed up at that meet like, "What do I do?" with these attempts how do i warm up what are we talking about mm-hmm. i mean now i could probably do it i mean i would hate attempt selections at a big meet but like somewhere locally i could do it but yeah and it's nice to have a second set of eyes um i don't know i think a lot of people especially if you end up towards the top you probably are pretty hard on yourself that's how you're getting so far you know so to have some some backup to to correct you when you're going too far and things like that you know bring you down to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely relay that message. Um, I do kind of preach like learning, you know, figuring out things for yourself first. And then once yeah. you kind of hit that, then get a coach, but I'll be lying and saying like coaching wasn't probably the biggest single factor in my powerlifting career. Like that was the biggest change. It was 100%. like, okay, lifter for a while. And then as soon as I got a coach, you know, records were happening, and then you're cat- like, I was catapulted in the top 10. And, like, yeah, I, you know, obviously couldn't just do an online program for the rest of my life. You no, no, and you need feedback. I think the other thing I always tell people is you are strong enough to do a meet. Just go do it. Mm. Yes. Because, like I've mentioned, it's a skill. So if you're not practicing that skill, you're just putting yourself behind, right? Yes. So even if you're not the best, if you're not competing until you think you're going to be the best, you're putting yourself behind. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, that's I've I've been saying that to so many people who were like, you know, I want to get stronger before I compete. Like, no, no, you don't need to get compete stronger before get you compete. Stronger. Like simultaneously. Yeah, it's like you. It's like the way you're gonna get stronger is if you do a meet. Yeah, sign up for a meet. You'll get stronger, hundred percent. And you'll surprise yourself too on how good you actually do at that meet. I every single person I've heard say that to me. After the meet, they were so happy about what they did. 
Absolutely. Like, they were happy just to put a number on the platform. I'm like, see? Absolutely. Like, you didn't have to... I mean, and they probably did take first in their weight class at a local meet. Happens a lot with those people. And actually, it's not the worst mindset to have because that means you want to be really good at something. Sure. But getting over that hump initially is so big for, you know, first-time lifters. Yeah, you just got to put yourself out there. And I guess that's hard, putting yourself out there, right? Because mm-hmm. anytime you say go out loud, it becomes real, and then other people are looking at you. So Yeah. So from your start in powerlifting, how's your mindset kind of changed into – you know, the competitor that you are today, because there has to be some sort of arc there from where you first started just wanting to do a local meet to now, you know, steering a national championship in the face. I mean, when I first started, I definitely wanted to be the best. It's just how I approach everything I do in life. If I'm going to do something, I'm doing it at a hundred percent. So I did wait to start until I graduated with my master's. So I would have, uh, a little bit more time to put into what I was doing. But I think my mindset has changed in mentally I've gotten a lot tougher in how I approach training and how I approach competitions. Uh, it used to break me if maybe I missed a lift uh, in training or things like that. And now, I mean, one, I missed a lot less lifts just because my technique's a lot better. I'm a lot more intelligent with my training than I was then, Right. And uh, also, if I do happen to miss a lift, you know, it's not defining me anymore. And I had to come to terms with the fact I never defined myself by the PRs I'm hitting. So why am I defining myself by this occasional failure? Mm-hmm. So that's been my biggest uh, hurdle to overcome, I guess. It's interesting. You became a little bit more liberal with your approach as you got better into the sport. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. It's funny how that works. You know, like it's it would you would assume the opposite, but in a lot of lifters' case, it's actually being okay with those failures and acknowledging them, and then working some from days, those. There, it's gonna happen. Like some days, the bar is not leaving the floor, and mm-hmm. you thought it was going to. Like warm ups were fine, and then suddenly gravity turned up. I don't know, but I don't know. Drop the weight, get your get your working sets out of the way, and move on. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a pretty good approach. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty good approach to it. Um, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's um, I, I like I could say that, but also like the times you're just like missing a lift. Like I, I say all those things, like oh, it's okay to miss a PR, but then I do it, and then I'm like, wait, am I losing my fastball here? Like what's... Oh, you have to think that for a minute, but then you got to like push it out. You know, you have to control the thought, push it out. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, um, I always tell people, I'm like, it, it seriously is a legitimate fear of mine that I'm just going to walk up to the weight once and it's just like, oh, you completely forgot how to lift. It's like, it's over. Yeah. It's like the yips in baseball. It's like, yeah, some, just, some, some like, guys just forget. That was your last PR. You didn't even know yeah. it was there. Like some guys just forget how to throw a fastball. Like they have, like, they can't find a strike zone anymore. I'm like, wonder if that happens in powerlifting where it's like, I forgot all of my motor skills and I don't know how to lift anymore. Um, I seriously have those weird, like, things occasionally. <laughs> like, what if I, tomorrow I just forget how to deadlift. You definitely get those thoughts, though. Like you said, when you, when you miss a PR and you're like, Man, how can I miss that? I'm awful. I've lost it. Maybe I can't get any stronger. Yeah. But I mean, if you can push those thoughts out of your head, out of your head and move to your next training session, you're gonna be fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, really using that as data and 
going forward with it. That's that's been the big thing for a lot of uh, especially high level powerlifters. They say the same things like Sean Noriega's big thing: no bad days, just data. That's been one of the, I think the best messages in powerlifting. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. So we discussed raw nationals. We discussed your origins of powerlifting. Now to the meat of the program. We got to get your lifter rating. No. You are in historical company right now. You are going to be the first female on Two White Lights to give her lifter rating. No way. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Uh, me neither. Till like, I just looked at all the lifter ratings we did. I'm like, I just haven't had a, I don't know what happened. We haven't had a female since we started the <laughs> lifter ratings. So you're going to be breaking the ground here for, uh, for female lifter ratings. This is simultaneously exciting and terrifying. Yeah, it's All it's my one of my favorite things is to make lifters like squirm a little bit with giving their own lifter ratings and them get uncomfortable because they want to be humble. Now, do you think? Okay, this is my question. Do you think people want to be humble or they're too hard on themselves and they're trying to to be rational? Both, absolutely both. both. Oh yeah, yeah. you could tell like there's some who are just like. They want to be humble. They don't want to overblow their thing because, you know, they don't want to see the Instagram comments or other people be like, no, you're not that good at squat or bench. Um, My favorite one is Sean Noriega's because his numbers are quite accurate, but then the Instagram comments are just everyone hating how he lifts. Yeah, people hate how he lifts. His numbers don't matter. He doesn't squat in a way they like, so his squat's terrible. Yeah, they're like, I, I don't care how much he lifts. He's a joke. I'm like... And it's funny because Noriega, he, you know, if anyone could take it, it's him because he's probably heard it his entire life in powerlifting. So I mean, we really should appreciate his squat more because of how wide his stance is. Yes. I just see my adductors tearing if I tried that. My, I mean, his bench, like, whenever I try to get a bigger arch, there's certain, I have to, like, not do that because yeah. my hips really... Like can't take the amount of leg drive that I need for it. Like my body's not proportionate. Kinetic mobility is incredible. Yeah. Like I wish I could emulate. If I could emulate anybody's bench, it would be his. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm definitely. Yeah. He just. My torso is only like three inches long though, so I don't think I can arch that high. You know, just defies. He's yeah. yeah. Very few people can do what he does, and even in the female side of powerlifting, like no, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he's got like gymnast genetics. Uh, so that's, that's always good. But yeah, I do think people are hard on themselves occasionally. You can kind of tell like immediately, like who, I mean, um, yeah, from, from this time, uh, Marcus's episode has dropped, but immediately when he gave his numbers, I'm like, oh, you're being hard on yourself. Like way <laughs> too hard on yourself. Cause he just means like, I don't know, like a 74 squat. I'm like, dude, no, no, you're not 74. You're not a 74 squat. Like, if you played Madden, if you played 2K, if you played FIFA, 74 rating is not good. Like, you're much better than that, dude. So we hiked up his score a little bit. Pete Spence called me out once because I posted something in my Instagram story about how terrible my bench was. And, you know, Pete Spence has all the data of – I mean, he has data about data. He just sent over, like, where my bench ranks in, in the 57s. And he's like, you're not terrible at bench. Yeah. Like, but in my feelings, I'm terrible at bench. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is a funny thing when, like, lifters talk about that stuff. And then, like, other lifters are like, fuck you, dude. Like, saying that you're, like, this lift sucks is, like, when it's 
obviously not sucky. I don't even think about it that way when, you know, I'm thinking it because really in my feelings, like that's just terrible. Well, yeah, then I I kind of flip it on them. I'm like, no, I'm disappointed with it. Don't make me feel guilty about being disappointed (laughs) in myself. Like, don't, don't guilt trip me right now. I was like, I don't care what you lift. This is me right now. I care about me. I'm selfish. I'm selfish. It's an individual sport. I don't care about your PRs. It's my PR. Or it's my my account. I will self-deprecate as much as I want to push myself forward. (laughs) Well, all right. So let's get it started then. Um, Uh, A quick but quick question, because you are the first female to do this, and I'm obviously stereotyping you. Have you played like Madden football before? I'm terrible at it, though. Okay. Well, so you so understand, like, kind of the so ratings that we're trying games. to... What's up? Yeah, my sister was always so good at video games, so I just gave up, because I always lost. But, okay. yeah, I have played Madden. All right, Madden. So Yeah, so, like, that's kind of what we're going here. 1 to 99 with lift to lift. All right, so, squat, what do you give yourself? Well, I'm going to give my current meet day squat. And I say current because I have a lot more. It's disappointing. But I'm going to give my current one an 88. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's going to improve in June. All right. I <laughs> don't doubt that. I would say 88. Actually, you, you, I think you might on your way to nail this lifter ratings because it sounds like you did some research here. So <laughs> I did do a small amount of research. It gave me a lot of anxiety. All right. This whole conversation. All right. 88. Yeah, I would totally agree with you there on squat. How about bench? Bam. Okay. Bench press. Uh, we're going to take the feelings out of how much I hate bench press. Mm-hmm. And we are going to go, we're going to go 88 again on bench press, actually. Okay. Where do you know Is where there, you rank on bench? Um, fourth, fifth. All time? Um, something like that. I think so. 57s. Might, might bump you to a 90 there. I think it's the same as squat, though. I'm pretty sure that's where I'm at for squat, too. Well, I'm using your your words in this podcast a bit issues with depth. Yeah, well, that's okay. All so right. I'm, I mean, that's again, great. this is also my opinion too. I will I will eventually piss off a lifter by doing this by telling them to their face like, "Oh, you don't hit depth." Quite often, it's like, "All right, this interview's over." Stupid depth man, depth man. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, deadlift. Uh, we're going to go 91 on deadlift. Okay, so on that one, do you know where you rank all time? I, have, no, I don't remember. All right. Well, because you're, I think you're, yeah, I would I would give you above a 90 on deadlift because you do have one of the best deadlifts in the 57 uh, kilo class. But, yeah, I would say about 91, 92. Look at that. All right. And you know what's that, funny about that is deadlift was my worst lift when I started. When I started powerlifting my max was 315. So what was, so then what would changes have you made? It's like, Oh yeah, dude. So I herniated a disc in L5 S1 before I started powerlifting. And so I didn't deadlift much because it hurt. And I don't know, I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to make it not hurt at that point in my life. So once I was smart enough to rehab the injury and get back to deadlifting, I deadlifted more, and then I got better at deadlifting. And I mean, my technique has changed entirely from three years ago. I don't deadlift the same at all. My stance is ridiculously wide. I don't know how I don't get more hate for it. Like I'm five foot tall, and my toes touch the plates. 
I don't know. I can't rationalize Instagram hate anymore. I should get so much hate for that. I mean, I hate on it myself sometimes because it's kind of ugly, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Instagram hate is random, sporadic. I think yeah. it's always on bench because that's what gym bros do is bench. Like, because if they post Sumo their... Sumo gets its hate. What's that? Sumo gets its fair share of hate, but... Yeah, it gets it gets its fair share, but it's it's such a... Um, I don't know. It's like... It's almost like it's clear that it's a troll when people hate on yeah, Sumo. Because it's Dude, like... It's not even... It's not like trolling Sumo is funny. Yeah. <laughs> but... But... For Bench, it's, like, something that a lot of gym bros, like, do, and they think yeah. they're good at it. In reality, yeah. they kind of suck, but they think they're good at it, and when they see an arch like that, and they see the range of motion, they get triggered. And really, on, on deadlift, there's not too many people who, like, have a super small range of motion on deadlift, even with sumo. No, yeah, you're still picking something off the floor. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, so. and I, I think with... Like, because everyone in powerlifting, like, arches. Or, like, mo like yeah. there's a huge population, of, so I think that's where the hate comes in. So, yeah, that's, I could I could see why. I mean, if you're, if you're a female benching. Us, if you're most a of us who arch, I mean, our elbows are still coming to parallel. I don't understand, really, the arch anger. Yeah, again, rationalizing Instagram hate is very hard. Especially <laughs> I mean, for, fe like, for, for female lifters, it's bad for the arches. Like, it's... That's the worst thing I think on Instagram, as far as like lifting goes, that yeah. like females deal with is just the arch because you can have like not even that impressive of an arch and yeah. still, you know, you yeah, will I have, have a moderate arch, a decent amount of bar path, like too much bar path. It's sad that I still have that much, and I still get the arch hate. Yeah, I'm like the bar's moving a lot. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, like, I, again, like, I've gotten a little bit of it, and my bench, one, sucks, but two, it's, like, not even a, no. it's not super, like, noticeable, but, you know, I, it's just, I, I just see what, like, common female lifters get, to, and it's, it's much worse than, it's much worse than the male opposition, unless, of course, you are Sean Noriega, uh, he gets all of it, he gets, he, he, I think he actually gets all of it from the male side. He, yeah, he takes all yeah. of the hit for the arch for every man, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, with your lifter rating, you're at an 89, which, are you happy with that? No, never. <laughs> well, I think after Raw Nationals, it's definitely going to be over a 90. I hope so. I think I, I, I would actually, like, coming into this interview with, like, 91, 92, but 89, 92, you know, pretty close. But you get a national championship, I think it's deserving they get, like, a 94 or something. You get some points. Yeah, you get some points for being the best. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, all right, lifter rating done. How how painful was it? Um, you know, it, it was painful. <laughs> in, in what way? In what in what way exactly? So this was honestly the only thing I thought about for this interview was this lifter rating because. I think I'm more of the self-deprecating, hard-on-myself person. Mm. Then people like Pete call you out and are like, don't be ridiculous yeah. on this. And then I try to be, I'm trying to be more reasonable with the self-deprecating and the self-hate, you know? Going back to not getting too upset over mislifts and stuff like that. Yeah, you wouldn't be a power lifter if you didn't do an occasional self-deprecating. 
Yes. At least I don't go around saying it's not a sport. Yes, thank you very much. I know that's that. your favorite thing. Oh, God. God, yeah, I, I mean, you so can't much. invest... I don't know. Maybe they're not doing the same things I am, but I'm investing way too much time and effort into something to call it not a sport. Like, my whole life revolves around training and eating and things like that for it, so... I don't know. It's just, like, a, such a loser mentality. And I hate yeah. when people have that, like, willingly do it. It's like, you don't need to be that way. Just... I mean, be proud of what you do. Be proud of what you are doing as your hobby. Now, are these people not putting the same effort in, and that's why they're saying this? I don't quite understand it. Probably. I haven't seen. I haven't seen many elite lifters being like, "Oh, powerlifting's a joke, anyways." Right. That'd be so like, weird and off color if they did that. But I don't know. I yeah. see people who are super dedicated to the sport, and this is like legitimately their biggest hobby. Yeah. And they're I mean, like, at some oh, it's a point joke. Blah, 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 when you get that. to a certain point, your life kind of, I mean, it ends up revolving around it for periods of time. I know what I'm meat prepping, I'm cutting, I'm not going out to eat, you know, I'm going to bed early, I'm making sure I get enough sleep, all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you put that much time in, be proud of it. Yeah, exactly. Don't so, hate on it that much. Yeah, I'm probably going to, like, reference this every episode going forward, just how much I hate people who self-deprecate so much to the point where they completely devalue the things that they're good at. Right. Like, there's a yeah, balance. There's a balance, sure. of course, being hard on yourself, but also just, like, you know, making fun of yourself and what you do, calling it a joke. It's like, no, what What do you... No, don't do that. You're not cooler yeah. if you do that. <laughs> I just looked at the data, and that's how I got to where I got to. Let the numbers talk, you know? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it. and I liked I liked your approach to things. I appreciate the research that you did on your own too. So, all right, you were prepared on this, and I appreciate it. So, lifter ratings going to go up on the two white lights page. All right, now let's get to a two white lights classic word association. So, right. I give you a word, you give me a phrase or thoughts that come to your mind. Obviously, most of them relating to powerlifting. I might throw a few curveballs in there as well. But let's start easy with. The USAPL. Drama. Okay. How about the next one, IPF? <laughs> More drama. <laughs> so what's your what's your stance on that? I mean, we've had a... F we didn't get to it with Marcus a whole ton. Um, but, like, I, I think it, we're going to start polling like, USAPL lifters on this. Uh, Josh Rohr, uh, whose episode aired... Was talking about like a you know a poll a Google form that we're going to create for two white lights or the USAPL on like what exactly the USAPL lifter is feeling on this. So like what what are your thoughts on this whole like situation with our Fed and the international Fed? Man, so I have gathered as much information I could. I listened to your interview uh, with Larry, and it was it was good and calm, and I appreciated that approach, but. You know, I'm, I really understand the USAPL side of the struggle of what to do here. The reason I chose to compete in USAPL was I wanted to compete uh, drug tested. I had no interest. I mean, my weight class would be Steffi Cohen. And as much as I admire what Steffi Cohen was doing at that time, I had no interest going over there. So I appreciated the drug testing. I've been drug tested. I think every meet I've done, maybe not one. Uh, no, oddly enough, I wasn't drug tested at the Arnold. But looking mm. back, that's because they had random drug testing by WADA. So I, was, I won the. Hmm. 
I won the Arnold and was not drug tested. They tested a lot on my day. Yeah, think about six that. Six lifters. That's weird. So I the was only tested. one I wasn't drug tested. Yeah, the top six lifters at the Pro American for the male side were drug tested. We yeah, were all in the we were all in the piss test room together, like at once. Yeah. <laughs> we were yeah, like yeah, yeah. we were like crammed in, like there was. Well, my guy thought, and a funny and Trey Thomas, uh, Trey Thomas was in there, and he's a super heavyweight, so it was like all of us like with our pee in our hands, <laughs> like just you know crumbled. When and I, I thought it was way too much. To my non lifting friends, they think it's the most hilarious thing in the world. Like it what is, you go through, it is funny. Like, I always have a fun, like, every P test I've had is a funny story. It's hilarious. My favorite was 2019 Nationals. Um, God, my pee was too diluted. So mm -hmm. we had to go downstairs to the award ceremony. I was followed by this, I think it was a German woman. She followed me to the award yep. ceremony and then escorted me back upstairs. And we had to repeat it. We ended up repeating it. I just one time, I think I barely made it the second time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you, I, I water load, and then uh, I think for that meet, I ended up cutting a little bit of water. Um, you drink a lot of water before you compete. Yeah, like you're all, <laughs> so yeah. You end up overhydrated. Yeah, yeah. I so. I was close at the Arnold. They told me I just barely made it. But, yeah, people in the testing room were, like, too diluted. But, yeah, it was just, like, you know, it's always like it's funny having a conversation with the person watching you pee. Oh yeah. Like it's I'm like oh, yeah that was the thing after the Arnold like wait am I too comfortable right now? I, or honestly, like is that, is that is that a good thing or a bad thing that this guy's talking to me while he's literally watching me pee like not like in the stall watching me pee. Oh yeah. And I'm like I guess I'm a little too comfortable because then I have friends who are pee shy. Oh, there's always somebody in there that can't, and I feel so bad for him. I, like, talked a girl through it at the last meet I did. Because she was in there for, like, an hour, and I wanted to go home because we were driving home that night, and it was, like, a six-hour drive. I'm like, girl, we got to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the original question. I think – Yeah, awesome you know, segue, but awesome tangent there. We just started talking about pee. Back, to back <laughs> away from pee and on to the IPF. Um, man, who didn't start this hoping to go to IPF Worlds, right? Like yeah. watching Taylor Atwood or Jen Miller or Jen Thompson winning Worlds, and who didn't think, dude, I hope that's me someday, or that's my goal. So that's the challenging part mentally in the situation right now. Of course, yeah, right. and I would be lying to people listening to I Lights if that was not my goal starting in powerlifting. I mean, I said it's either be the best in the world at the end of a calendar year based on total, or just win IPF Worlds outright. Yeah. You know, someone could out total me in the meantime, but if I win IPF Worlds, like, that's my ultimate goal in powerlifting. And, yeah, I, I think I think that, that definitely has to be accounted for for a lot of lifters. It's just, like, they do value the international competition. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think looking back on it in 30 years, it would still be cool, right? Yeah. You know, if you were, you know, I'm sure Taylor Atwood in 30 years is going to look back and be like, yeah, that was a cool time in life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but. absolutely. I, yeah, I would agree with you on that. So I think that is the balancing act for a lot of lifters. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, I've definitely been watching my emails to see 
what's coming out, that's for sure. Well, thankfully, they started to release more things on Instagram where I don't have to go on the email like, <laughs> thing. So it's good that they're getting with the times where I don't have to read the super long newsletter that the USAPL sends out. But oh, the last one, we could talk about that. Well, there was a really long like biography in there. And yeah. I don't really know what the context was, aside from we like drug-free powerlifting, but that's why I'm getting the newsletter, because I like well, drug-free powerlifting. Well, I was psyched, because Two White Lights was mentioned in that email, and I was like, whoa. Never, <laughs> starting Two White Lights, never thought I would be in the USAPL email that you newsletter. Are, that's true, you were. I'm like, I made it. I was like, that's sweet. Unfortunately, you got lost in 5,000-word biography. <laughs> No yes. offense. Yeah. 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 And uh, I thought they answered all those questions about the, you know, USAPL starting off as, like in the podcast already. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. you got you to gotta take the bad with the good. They've been doing a lot of social <laughs> media. They've been explaining a bunch of things. They've been a lot more transparent with the lifters. The email has not gone away. And I think it, at this point it can't go away. It's like the USAPL's identity. Well, you need both. You need a balance. Yes. Yeah, you need you need both, and I think the newsletter, the you, the the famous monthly newsletter from the USAPL, um, doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. But question: Does it actually come out monthly? Because I don't feel like I get twelve a year. I feel like I do. Do you? I I could swear it says monthly newsletter. But does it come out monthly? <laughs> well, I mean, if it's an email, then like especially something. They, that, wait, hold on. Do I just get one newsletter? And it comes out when you feel like it. Oh, okay, no. That was an email from them at 431 of the media package pre-order special. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm. So, I don't know. I'm going to actually try to check this right now, see if... See, it says like April 2021 you... member newsletter. So I'm okay, assuming how many it's have you a monthly gotten this year? You should have gotten five if it's monthly. Well, I'm not going to check all of them. There's a lot. <laughs> actually, there's... um Yeah, yeah, I think so. Monthly update. All right. All right. So I think I'm right here. I did check. There was, and there was multiple ones per month with the important. Yeah, there was a, a minute there where there was a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, because the the rosters for IPF Worlds or just uh, just IPF Worlds not sending a team. Yeah. So that was mentioned in the email, and then you know we're getting I think with rosters for all nationals a whole ton. I can't believe they haven't canceled Open World yet. I just think that it's going to be the same thing. They have to confirm. That's why I took with waiting until a month out or like a week out. Yeah. I mean, nationals. I mean, I don't really care. It is what it is. We're all going to do the same thing anyway, but yeah, I me neither. but I just, after talking to Larry, there's, I think just some things that they, they need to do. Like I, I always, like always with those decisions, related. there's like things that have to happen before they announce it. So I was thinking more COVID related cancellation. IPF worlds. I mean, it's like a mix of COVID slash civil war in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the civil war does add a good. <laughs> it's on. It's, yeah, it just, it's it, they just upgraded to no travel. Yeah, I saw that. So I yeah, I don't know how we could feel the team there, especially with all the other European countries, both like no travel and they're countries are shut down for the I was gonna say Euro- yeah European countries are far more shut down than we are so yeah so I and with less vaccine access it seems like too so they're gonna be shut down longer yeah like even like Canada feels a whole lot of IPF world's lifters 
and yeah. they are still in a shutdown. So yeah, yeah I, your I, house in parts of Ontario, it's wild. Yes, yes, I have a, a good amount of Canadian friends, and it's not it's not awesome, not awesome to hear. So yeah, I'm assuming that we're probably going to get something close to Raw Nationals. Is like yeah, we're not going to field an open team at all. Um, but I just I do know that they have to wait for certain things to develop before they release like the announcement. I'm sure. But, yeah, good old pop political stuff. But all right, it was good to get your thoughts on USAPL and IPF. Now squat. Depth. Common answer. Bench. Fuck you. <laughs> it's funny to <laughs> a- ask that question and then like get the response of "fuck you." It's like because it felt like it was directed towards me, but I know it was towards. It was bench. a little bit for just saying the word. <laughs> ben, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I didn't actually confirm that I could swear either. So I mean, I swore that. like seven times. It's explicit. It's an explicit it's, podcast. It's ingrained in my. Yeah, I don't know conversation. Yeah. It's it's an explicit know. podcast. We're a pro. We're okay. a pro. We're a pro fuck podcast. Okay, good. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, oh, yeah. I can get down with that. All right, that was that was actually a good one for bench. People are, I, I guess that was your true thoughts towards it. So that's good. Deadlift. It's my feels. Deadlifts. Man, I don't have a thought on deadlifts. Hmm. Deadlifts are fun. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they don't like, ben- they don't do bench parties. You ever notice that? They don't do squat yeah. parties. They don't do bench parties. They always have a deadlift party though. Fun hype, game. man! It's the end. You just let loose a little bit, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. USPA. I've had excellent experiences coaching people in USPA, so I can't say a negative thing about USPA. All right. At all. Meets are fun. They're super long. Uh, the ones I've been to, at least. They're ridiculously long, but they're fun. People are nice, you know. It's a different crowd, but they're cool. Yeah, I agree. I think people assume that USAPL like members are going to have really shitty things to say about USPA, and we all kind of love the USPA. It's like it's no, it's it's a it's a fine federation. But it's funny how you have the preface. I don't have negative things to say about them. Like, well, yeah. you could say a positive thing, for, like you could say something nice about them. Positive things, but yeah, I guess that's right because I don't know. It's like. People think there's a civil war between the two, and I don't know. If you're a local level lifter, lift wherever's closest, dude. Like, yeah, why not? I, yeah, I completely agree. That's a question I get a lot. Like, hey, you think I should do a USPA meet? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I've never told any. I actually I don't even like even other federations. Like, I've never told someone not to do a federation. I will maybe suggest like if you are very serious about powerlifting and competing. And USAPL is in the area, or I mean, specifically drug tested lifting, drug free lifting. Maybe you should choose USAPL. But if you just yeah, want I mean, to compete, I've only, I've only competed USAPL because I started with the intention of being very serious about it. Mm-hmm. So I've always traveled to compete just because where I'm at, we don't have any USAPL meets, unfortunately. But no, I mean, if you're not in that same mindset, just compete whatever's next door. Yeah, it's much easier, cheaper. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Buffalo Bills. Mafia. Are you part of Bills Mafia? Everyone is. Have you been through a table yet? I haven't. I, wouldn't I don't have think you're part of Bills Mafia then. God damn it, I'm going to have to go break a table <laughs> yeah. now. You could, or if you have a table in front of you, you could, just, you could initiate yourself on two white lights. That'll be okay, another first. Question. Does the table have to be on fire? No. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, not, a, it's not a... It's not like... 
Every, it's pretty common. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty common, common, but I've seen a lot of Bill's Mafia guys and girls alike, and children, go, <laughs> go through a table that's not on fire. I mean, I'd do the fire. If we win the Super Bowl, fire table, 100%. You heard it here. All right, all right. Yeah, you guys heard it here first. So if <laughs> the Bills win a Super Bowl, which they can... It's it's finally in the cards, yes. Yeah, they can. They have a very solid team. Brittany Saplicki will put herself through a fiery table, and she volunteered the fire. Like I was going just base basic <laughs> table. It's a buffalo thing. All my buffalo friends will understand that whole statement. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you and people not listening to Two White Lights, if you just watch one Bills Mafia tailgate. You will be like, why am I not a Bills? Why am I not a Bills fan? I mean, we're accepting applications right now. It's a good time to join. Yeah, I mean, I am. You know, we're actually me and Steve Denovi both are big Bears fans. We're a pro Bears podcast. But if there was another team, say if the Bears didn't exist anymore, which based on ownership, like that could happen any day. Like who knows? Like yeah. what the McCaskies are going to do with the team. Um, because I mean, they make wrong decisions always, but if they just didn't exist, they moved the bears to Canada or something, I would be a Buffalo Bills fan. You know, I hear that a lot from like every other team fan. <laughs> yeah. Like the Buffalo Bills, this Bills is my second. And then when, you know, we're in the playoffs and whatnot, they're like, yeah, I'm rooting for the Bills for sure. Oh, no yeah. Bills. I was... I'm in North Carolina wearing all my Bills gear and man, I, I got go Bills all the time it was hilarious yeah no you that's like the most that's the most universally liked team in the nfl you cannot hate bills fans and if there is a stadium i'm going to it's going to be i have to, I, you have to go to have you been to one yeah oh absolutely. god how awesome is it it's crazy it's freezing all the time and it's wild nobody cares you know there's literally shirtless guys everywhere uh my so okay so my whole family's huge bills fans this is funny and my cousin, you know, she had, like, the Bills theme song at her wedding. She has photos of her in her dress and then, like, a Bills jersey. But anyway, point of the story, she wore her wedding dress to a Bills game. You can totally find the video on yeah. the internet somewhere. And but, you, and yeah, you, she tailgated in her wedding dress. You telling me that is not even surprising. That's, like, the seventh craziest thing I've heard someone wear <laughs> to a Bills game. It's, tailgate. like, runs in your blood for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's in the water. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's actually it's actually always awesome to see, like uh, the big fandoms of sports teams and a lovable one too. So even yeah. and at this time they were terrible when she did all this. Oh yeah, like, and I mean no offense to the Buffalo Bills, they usually are pretty, are terrible. They're pretty terrible. Well, they're never life, good. Terrible. Yeah, I was born in '92, so that's when they were losing Super Bowls, right? Yeah, and then from then on, they were terrible. My whole memory until this last two years, so. We're yeah, it up. I mean, when I was a kid, like I only knew like Jim Kelly and yeah. like those '90s teams, but I didn't like ever. I didn't process like their team that I was that cur- I was currently watching because I was yeah. just like, okay, they they suck. But in the '90s, they were pretty sweet. Like they were a cool team, um, and yeah, then before that, they were even care. really bad. That stadium sold out every year, regardless. It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right, cool. And also, we got breaking news here, because you will put yourself through a fiery table in possibly... 100%. You're not even, yeah, you're not even, like, (laughs) taking back what you say. You're just going to go through the table. I'll double down on it. 
Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. I, I mean, I actually now. I mean, if the Bears don't win a Super Bowl, now I'm definitely rooting for the Bills. <laughs> like, I now I have an investment on this. Like, that would be that would be crazy for like, the powerlifting world. How do you light a plastic table on fire? I mean, I'll figure it out. I just don't know. Um. So based on my watching of professional wrestling, they just put lighter fluid on it and then light a match. <laughs> Which, by the way, I still don't know. How you all right? Fire extinguisher has to be ready because that doesn't. Actually, that sounds pretty sketchy. There's got to be a better way. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty sketchy because it's a. You're not supposed to do it. (laughs) That's why it sounds sketchy. Uh, yeah, you're not. You're not supposed to light. You're not. You're not not, not supposed to. Yeah, you're not supposed to light a fire table on fire ever. (laughs) Got it. And then jumping through it, you're not supposed to do that either. Apparently. So all of it is sketchy. If you the two, it doesn't make it correct. Yeah. I mean, actually, maybe it cancels. Maybe it cancels each other out. I was thinking it did. Yeah. If you if you do two wrong things, it's just two wrongs somehow make a right. But that's what I was thinking. From what Perfect. I see, I mean, I don't know. Every single time I watched professional wrestling as a kid, they would set the table on fire. They would get power bombed through it or something, and then the fire would just kind of go out. I don't think that's how it always works. I would assume I that you have to get on fire. Burning out, I guess. What's it? I don't know. Well, I guess the lighter fluid would burn off, and then the plastic's just going to melt. It's really not going to be fiery. Yeah. Just just have a fire extinguisher ready. Just because it'll be Hi. it'll be a strange powerlifting update if uh, you were not able to compete at the <laughs> Arnold. Like third degree burns yeah. on my whole body. It's like uh, breaking news on two white lights. We'll break the news. One, Bills won the Super Bowl. Next breaking news, <laughs> Brittany Saplicki is out of the Arnold because she put herself through a flaming table. I would like it to be like a, a swipe post, right? So like the first screen is, they want the Super Bowl swipe my bird self. <laughs> yes. It's like, and we have a powerlifting injury to develop. That's my request for how this comes out, you know, <laughs> take it into consideration. Oh, it's, oh yeah, I mean, I'm never, I'm not going to pass on that opportunity. <laughs> So, hey, you know what? How about this? If you win Raw Nationals, you go through a regular table. <laughs> all right, all right, I can do that. All right, all right, cool. We have Daytona Beach is going to be fun this year. I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, the fact you haven't broke one already just by being a Bills fan it is, is kind of sad. I yeah, know. I think right, you have to do that. I don't know what the yeah. Bears fan equivalent would be of putting yourself. I, I think it's just crying after you watch another quarterback suck. I think that's I think that's our equivalent of putting yourselves through a table. It's like if you cried once because of your quarterback throwing five interceptions in a game, you're a Bears fan. Yeah, we 100 percent cried when we won uh, the first playoff game this year. And by we, I mean like my whole family that was watching it together in a living room. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I think yeah, I was rooting for them definitely to to win that game. My heart has never raced so fast. We were like on the ground, which is so. funny because yeah, it's like it's. It's kind of crazy because they were like a team that was good in the playoffs for such yeah. a long time, but it's still like, okay, they finally won a playoff game again. Yeah, not in my lifetime were they really good. I mean, I was a baby when they were good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be the greatest joy like in sports if like the Bills win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think anyone, maybe aside from Patriots fans, but even then, I think Patriots. Them, but they're coming around now that Tom Brady ditched them, man. They're coming around. <laughs> All right, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> All right, well. You know, I think that's a great way to end this interview. You going through a flaming table, potentially a regular table at Raw Nationals. 
Go Bills. Go Bills. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Thank you, Brittany Saplicki, for coming on Two White Lights. It was a fantastic interview, and hopefully I can have you out again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll see you in, like, you know, six weeks. All right. See you then. Good luck. Good luck with training. Um, and we, Hey, you too. Yeah, that will do it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.